We don't accept the future. We help shape it. That, my friends, is what today's guest is all about. Jay Byers, co-founder and CEO of Visceral, welcome to Conscious Curiosity SD. Thank you very much. I'm excited to be here. So Visceral is a branding and digital design agency for social visionaries who are out to change the world. Jay, what, is, what does that mean? That's, that's, that's a huge statement right there. So uh, essentially we are just a creative agency. So we build brands and we do design and we build websites, but we've made a conscious decision to work only with organizations that have some sort of social value. So nonprofits, philanthropy, research institutions, uh, other businesses like ours that are trying to do something positive in the world. You know, at the end of the day, we're creatives and strategists and, you know, developers, but we want to be using our skill sets on behalf of organizations that are, that are fighting the good fight. Nice. I like that. So social visionaries are someone that says, I got a bigger idea about how what I do impacts the world. Is that a pretty good definition of that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was reading a book the other day and there was a quote in it that I really liked. that was talking about like how you can do good, how you can be a positive force in the world and talks about how you can be the light and says you can either light the candle or you can be the mirror that reflects it. And I I really like that because for us, we don't have any delusions that we're saving the world. But we use our skills on behalf of organizations that are. I don't know how to go to Africa and save an endangered species, but my clients do. And so we can help them with their design and their website strategy to raise donations and, and, and support their work. And so we get to be constantly involved with these organizations that are part of the greater good and making an actual impact on the world through the work oh, that we do. I love it. We're, so we're going to explore that a little bit, but uh, first off, I always like my guests to have a chance to get to know who's, who's Jay. Maybe give us a little bit of your backstory. Uh, how did you end up getting into this type of business and maybe share a defining moment or two along the way that said, uh, man, I could have went left, but I went right. And here I am. So have at it. Sure. So I, I wish that I had like a, a, a really cool origin story. You know, I've, I've listened to a lot of podcasts, including this one. And, you know, there are people that they, their, their bio is, I saw this massive injustice in the world. And so I, I, I started a company because I wanted to change things and I wanted to fight the good fight. And I, I always admire that because that, that was not my story. Uh, I'm just a computer nerd from age seven. I, you know, I played Oregon Trail as a kid and I was like, oh my gosh, computers are the thing for me. And I, I knew almost at that point, I wanted to make that my career. I went to college for that and high school in the nineties when the internet blew up. And so I started building websites for my friends, bands and stuff like that. And so I always thought of myself as just a a developer, someone who wrote code. And that's what I did for, for many, many years. After college, I ended up in Washington DC working for a a massive agency that does this kind of work. Uh, I met some really great people and it was a lot of fun at, at times, but it's also very grueling. You end up working 70, 80 hours a week. You'd be part of the big machine that just yeah, tied sort of, up in the, the grind of it all. Absolutely. Big corporate empire kind of world. And, and you mentioned defining moments. One of the things that we ended up working on in this big public relations firm uh, are something called Dark Sites, which is a website that is designed and written and built and placed on a server, but sort of turned off. And so with the anticipation that if some certain public relations event happens, we have this response ready to go. For giving an example, you know, we built a website for a, a product that there was compelling research that said it might cause cancer. But rather than 
you know, change the product or, or you know, or, or disclose that information, we we built a campaign that was like, well, if the public finds out about that, we're ready. Have, we're ready to go. We're ready to respond and be like, don't worry, it doesn't really cause cancer. But we thought it'd be a good idea. To, <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. So working on projects like that, I was like, you know, I, I love the work that we do. I love to write code. I love to talk strategy and work with designers and, and creatives. That's obviously not the kind of thing that, that I wanted to be building. And so that was sort of one of the reasons why we set out to create this role, which is to create a better type of company where we didn't have to work 80 hours a week and sleep in the office and to work with a different class of clients, you know, where now we work with research institutions that are, you know, literally fighting for, for cures to cancer. One of our clients, the, one of the founders won a Nobel prize for immunotherapy, which is one of the most groundbreaking pieces of research for fighting cancer in the last several decades. And so we get to be on the, the opposite side of that line where we're working with people that feel like we feel have like a, a distinct social value. And so we just, we just sleep better at night. It's really kind of the cornerstone with this podcast. It's supposed to be out. We're really trying to interview leaders that are honoring the ideas of conscious capitalism of higher purpose and all this. And unfortunately, I mean, uh, what you just described, I, I was actually going, wow, that's, that's pretty crazy, but makes sense, right? It makes, makes complete sense. And we see so much of that today where the corporation knew the product was unsafe or caused issues and then pretend it doesn't until they finally get busted. And, but I didn't realize how prepared they were <laughs> for that day. Yeah. <laughs> that's a newsflash to me. It, it's scary how much work goes into to maximizing profits at the expense of any sort of accountability or, you know, any, any sort of notion of doing the, the right thing. If that conflicts with profit margins, you know, the big business world oftentimes just doesn't do it. Kind of interesting. You give yourself self-described computer nerd, which would create a vision of you know someone sitting in a dark room with the, the glow of the computer <laughs> shining off your face and uh, you know pretty lonely kind of look. Uh, but here you are in a marketing business, out helping people articulate their purpose and their passion. These kinds of things. I mean, what led to that shift? Seeing a need for it, you know the. It, it's tough because I'll be perfectly candid. Like doing podcasts like this is, is not really my favorite thing in the world. I'm more of an introvert. What? So is, you know, so is my co-founder. And so on one hand, tough to, to be out there and do things like this. But at the same time, like I, I do believe in the message that business can be a force for good. And I think, you know, we need to be more clearly articulating that so that people know that there is a choice in your career, especially, you know, your younger people as they enter the workforce, you know, traditionally you had your soul sucking corporate office job on one side, which you might make a decent living, but you know, at, at what cost and the other side, you know, you can work for a nonprofit and you know, those are wonderful organizations and, and great people that, that undertake those careers, but those are often underfunded, you know, lower salaries, no benefits, things like that. And so, you know, we need to be communicating that there is a third way where, you know, we can leverage business and we can make money and money's not always a bad thing, you know, using that profit that a business can, can make through a sustainable revenue model and then funnel that back into, you know, the team that helps to build the product or services and the community to a cause that we care about, you know, so that, that was really it for me. It's like, I wanted to be out there a little bit more to talk about that because I think the more I've done this, the more I realized like not a lot of people know about it. You know, the, the B Corp movement is growing, but a lot, not a lot of people, you know, still yeah, know 30 companies. What's that? We had like 30 plus companies in San Diego. In San Diego. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I hope that's growing, but I spoke at creative mornings in, in 2019 and uh, I looked over my notes before, for this call, you know, and one of the lines I had was that there were 2,500 companies worldwide that were in the B Corp movement. And I looked it up today and it's now over 6,000. It is a growing movement and I hope we see that accelerate. And I hope that 
we can sort of hit that exponential inflection curve where people start to realize that these companies exist, this isn't going away, and that there is a better alternative for your career path. Well, that's exactly the goal of this podcast, is right to help get this word out that business doesn't have to look like uh, what business has looked like for all these years, that there is a different path, that we actually can have a higher purpose for the organization that's exciting and enrolling, even if you're not making something that's exciting. It doesn't have to be some changing the world thing. It's just how you go about doing it, how you treat your people, how you see the world, and inviting people into that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the interesting part of it. Like you, you can change the world just through regular mundane actions. Exactly. You know, just having a business that, that pays people well, that, you know, has a good, you know, ethical supply chain, you know, these things, you can make minor changes in your business that, you know, overall they add up and move the needle forward. Which cascades outside the business into the community, the, the families that the workers, right? I mean, it's just a great domino effect. And, and, and what's crazy, it's a proven great business approach because it's not new. People have been taking this approach for 20 plus years. Companies have been followed and they find that they outperform, but you have to have this leadership that believes in it because it's not always got a direct ROI that the uh, CFO is going to get excited about. <laughs> you yeah. have to believe there's a, there's a return. Exactly. I think that that's you know what oftentimes makes it kind of a tough sell, but I think when you look at the, the research, if you look at the data, you know, on some level, it makes running a business easier and more sustainable. So in my industry, like the, the creative agency design world, big problem that we have is turnover. And everyone talks about it's really hard to, to find and retain good people. And it is if you don't pay them well and make them work 80 hours a week and don't provide benefits or anything like that. But we have an extremely low turnover rate because we do the opposite of all those things. You know, we try to create an environment where people have autonomy and we try to take care of them, you know, both financially and, and look out for their mental health and create an environment that works for all the people on the team, not just the, the owners. And it's been great for business. You know, since we became a B Corp in 2016, you know, our, our profits have gone up, our revenues have gone up, you know, the type of clients we work with, you know, we've been able to attract bigger, better clients because we have, you know, very public and transparent values that we run our business on. And so I think the notion that doing the right thing is not good for business is just, you know, it's just wrong. I think right. we can run a better business and still be profitable and still give back and have, you know, you can have your cake and eat it too. Well, it's kind of weird. I mean, you would think it's intuitive that if you think about people being the engine of your business, they're not very satisfied in the business and we're having turnover, having all these sorts of things happening versus an organization where people are showing up, excited to be there, give you that little extra effort. I mean, how can that not be a winner? <laughs> you know I mean? Yeah, just, right? Just, I mean, we just know that intuitively that that would be, that would be the truth. So I don't know. It, but to your point, it's a tough sell. It's crazy. Yeah, it feels like a no-brainer, but there's a lot of companies out there that still haven't gotten it. So, But I, I love the podcast. I'm, I think we're working to change that. I think started the... The agency in 2006. We've been at this for quite some time. Maybe share a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey. So, like you said, I'm over here in this corporate gig. There's nonprofits, and then they're sort of like maybe reaching out and going and doing something on your own. Share. What's what's that look like, Jay? Should I st stick with my corporate job or should I jump in with both feet and go for it? What's your thoughts there? Yeah, it was certainly a challenge. And so when we founded the company, it was myself and uh, Matthew Billingsley, who's our, our co-founder. Uh, he was a, a designer. I was a developer. It makes sense, you know, for us to partner up. You know, it's it's scary to start out on your own. At the, at the time, Matthew was married and he had had his first child and, and I had neither of those things. So I was like, well, I'll jump ship first because if this all blows up in her face, like I'll just get another I job. I can afford to live with my car. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was just like, it's probably a little bit easier for me. Um, you know, but we really just 
we started a little do a freelance work on the side and then I broke off and, you know, we just, we built it very slowly and very organically because we were sort of just testing the waters. We didn't really know what we were doing. We had a lot of experience designing and building things on the internet, but running a business was a completely different set of challenges, you know, for us. And so it was, it was exciting for sure, but also very stressful. And I think for us, what we really were hoping to accomplish at the beginning was just to have a little bit more freedom over what we did. You know, as I mentioned before, we didn't have a grand vision of how we wanted to change the world. Like I just hated my job and wanted a better one. And I, I couldn't find a company that really I thought would allow me to do what I wanted to do, but also had the values that I had. And, and Matthew felt the same way. So we literally were, I think on our way to a football game one day and we're like, you know, just sort of just do it. And we're like, <laughs> what, if, what if we just quit our jobs and started our own company? And we're like, should we do that? You know? couple drinks later, like, yeah, let's That's do a that. a great idea. Yeah, why not? We could totally do that. So he went home and told his wife, and she said, what? <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't worry. Jay's going first. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'll figure it out. We'll see if the water's warm or not, and then I'll follow suit after that. <laughs> yeah, but we, we started just really slowly and organically. You know, we didn't, you know, and, and we had the luxury, too, that our business requires, you know, a computer and an internet connection. We didn't have to invest, you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars, you know, to create a product and you know, hold inventory or anything like that. So it was maybe a little less dangerous because of that. But, you know, we just, we grew it very slowly on, on nights and weekends. And we've been in business 17 years in May, but those first five years are, you know, literally just running out of, uh, you know, the, the basement or the spare room and just, you know, very grassroots, very just figuring it out as we go. What was the turning point for you guys? I mean, when did you kind of go, all right, this, this is actually working and. I moved to San Diego in, in 2011, just because I came out here to visit some friends. And I mean, this is one of the most amazing places on earth. And so I was like, my business is relatively portable. I want to be here. And so we moved out here and uh, I had a friend who had already moved out here. Who's smarter than me. And he was like, I'm, I'm going out there first. Uh, and he became our first employee. And that was sort of like, we, we set up a tiny office in Mission Valley and we, you know, we hired our first official employee. And I was like, oh, that's, that's it. Like we're a real business now. And that's also when I had to figure out like, how do I pay him? <laughs> yeah. How do I pay? How do we withhold taxes? Like how does any of this work? Cause when it's just, you know, two, two friends doing it on their own, it's, it's official quote unquote, but it's, you know, it feels less so, but once you got payroll and, you know, tax deductions and stuff like that, it just felt a lot more serious. And we're like, oh, this is this is a real thing now. I think we can actually manage to do this. How'd, how'd you guys work through that? I mean, you kind of spoke to that, like, you know, how do, how do we move into the operating the business? And we know, I think it's like most startups, right? People start the, I know how to do the thing I do. It's all that other stuff is a challenge. So how, how did you guys sort through that? Did you get some help from the outside, read some books, YouTube? <laughs> what was your, all of the above. All of the above. All right, perfect. Yeah. I mean, I've read every popular business book of the last 30 years, probably. I'd love to read. And so I think I've gotten a lot out of that. We were extremely fortunate to have a friend of ours who also ran his own business and sort of gave us a lot of sort of advice and mentorship. John Kim, if you listen to this, thank you so much. Having people to ask questions to, and I think just, just trying to build that community of people are like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. And so we had to reach out to people to figure out payroll and then to figure out healthcare benefits and you know, retirement plans and stuff like that. And so we were very fortunate that we, you know, we had a number of resources and, and we, and we found some people in the San Diego community that were very kind and very willing to help, which is, I think one of the things I love about this community, it's, it's even before we became a B Corp and purpose driven, you know, there's a lot of people in San Diego that are just very willing and, and eager to help because they love this city. They love the community and they want to see it thrive. And so we got, 
we got kind of lucky that just that we, you know, they had people that were willing to, to help us, which is, you know, why we try to pay that back if we can to always, you know, you know give young entrepreneurs advice, go on podcasts to share with you what little I know anyone, I'd be happy to share it with anyone. Perfect. Well, speaking of that, uh, the B Corp, maybe, um, just give a little quick definition of what B Corp is and why did you guys decide to do that and what's been the value of that? Because they're one of our collaborators from B Local, which is the, I guess, the social group of the uh, B Corp CEOs. But maybe give us a little insight as to that organization and what, why, why did you guys join? Because it's pretty rigorous. Yeah. And so uh, we had a client that became a B Corp. And so that's how we found out about it. They asked us to put a, you know, a logo on their website and a, a blog post about it. And we were like, what, what is this? And so we looked into it. And for those not familiar, it is a rigorous certification process that looks at all angles of your business from how you take care of your team, you know, how you get involved in your community, uh, your environmental footprint. Uh, if you, if you make a product, you know, your supply chain, are you ethically sourcing your, your ingredients for your product or whatever it is? It appealed to us right away because it sort of was a framework for, for being a better type of business, which is what we set out to do. But as, as I mentioned, we didn't really have a plan. You know, we didn't really, we didn't really know what we we're doing. We just knew that we wanted to do something a little bit different, a little bit better. The thing that really appealed to B Corp was it was just, it was a framework. I was like, I want to do the right thing. But I, you know, as I mentioned, I don't really know how to run a business. That's not my background. So I was like, I want someone that I trust to, to tell me what to do. And so B-Lab is a nonprofit that created this rigorous certification and they just walked us through a whole suite of things that we could do to make sure that our business was, you know, meeting the, the minimum to get the certification, but things that we could improve upon as a business to get more points to run a better business. Because when we started, like I said, we didn't think about any of that. So I'll give you a practical example. You know, when we hired our first employee, like I mentioned, where I was like, oh, we need like an employee handbook. That's a thing that companies have, right? And so we Googled it and I was like, okay, SHRM has one we can buy for a couple hundred bucks. Great. Checked off the list. Change the logo and we're good to go. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, and it's fine. It works yeah, well. It meets all the legal requirements, you know, but it's, it's generic company.com, right? It's, you know, it's boilerplate and that was fine. But like you, the B Corp team, you know, analyzed, they looked through that and they're like, here's, here's some things that, you know, for your paid family leave, for example, the, the federal government sets a guideline to what happens if someone has a, a baby. And then in California, we have a, a different set of laws that are better because the federal governments are, are not great. And one of the things that B Corp recommended was like, well, if you change this policy, you know, to be better than what the U.S. government and California government mandate, you know, we can give you points for that and it creates a really great benefit for your team. And that's one of the things like we just never thought about that, you know, like we just, it had, hadn't happened. We were more fo focused on well, how do I make payroll next week? And what taxes do we need to withhold? You know, like the, the immediate. Or, yeah, the tactical day to day. Yeah. yeah, we didn't have any team members that were thinking about having children. But they were like, well, when you do, this will be a much better policy for them. And we're like, that's great. That's an easy change that we can make. And so, and, and since then, we've had a couple team members that have had children and that have taken advantage of that policy. And so it's, it's things like that where they just, you know, they helped us put all the pieces in place in a way that it would have taken us years to get there on our, our own you know, as, as well intentioned as we may have been, like, you know, they just, they just gave us a guideline. They're like, do this, do this, don't do this. And it made it at some level just easier for us to become the, the company that we want it to be. They don't have to go and invent the, the whole thing. It already exists out there, right? You just got to find the right people to connect with. Absolutely. Well, let's explore a little bit more about what you guys do in the business here. I just, uh, you know, I was on your website. And I just love some of the things. One, one thing I loved was I saw purpose, somewhere you said purpose was inspiring change. And part of the whole jailbreak leadership thing, my, my IP in the world is helping people discover their two-word of purpose. So when I see someone that has a two-word of purpose, I go, ah, <laughs> I love these people. 
Maybe you could share a client story where we can kind of get one, get a flavor for the type of clients you're working with and then what you kind of did with them and maybe what some of the old wiles were and, and maybe based on who you guys are, how you were able to impact how maybe they're leading their business. Just like how, you know, B-Lab showed up for you guys. How do you, when you help these people start to articulate their story, how does that shift them? There's a lot in that question, Jay. So <laughs> yeah, that's, have at it. That's great. Yeah, let me. Think. Don't ask me to repeat it though. <laughs> uh, it sucks. We have we have so many good clients. I'm trying to think. I'll just pick a random one. I'll pick one of my favorites. So we we worked on a project a couple of years ago called 1400 Degrees, which was uh, an initiative uh, funded by the Heising Simons Foundation to address uh, a fundamental challenge in the fields of physics and uh, astronomy, uh, which are dominated by men and, and white men. They wanted to create more of a notion that, you know, this is a career opportunity for, for, for women that, you know, they can be involved in this, you know, and we're like, that, that's great. You know, we, we love the idea. We'd love to help facilitate that. And then we want it to be both the directory of, you know, prominent women at scientists. So people know that there are people in these fields already that you can look up to and that you can connect with, but also we want it to be, you know, cool and flashy and fun and to tell the story. And so, you know, working with them was, you know, was super interesting because we got to interview, you know, people that were, you know, Nobel laureates in, in physics and things like that. You know, it's, and that's, you know, I'm a big nerd for that kind of stuff. So it was really interesting talking to these people that are, that were groundbreaking in their field and, you know, and trying to help create a system that could, that could showcase their work as well as, you know, demonstrate to, you know, young women that like this, this is definitely a career path that this is your interest. You know, you, it is largely dominated by men, but we are working to change that. And there is an opportunity you know, for you here. And we also got to do some really cool, interesting stuff visually with it. You know, so if you go to the homepage, it's got some cool like 3d animated stuff on it. And so it was really fun and really creative, which is what we love to do, but also like it was directly trying to tackle a, a, a problem in the world. And so that's the crux of what visceral is, is, you know, we want people to, to see our work and have that sort of visceral reaction to it, which is instinctual. Like you just get it, you know, like, okay, that is the problem and here is a potential solution for it. And so that's infused into all of the, the work that we do. So in that case, it wasn't someone coming in and saying, Hey, we got a product or a service and we do something and help us go articulate that to the world. It was more of a, a, a sub problem. And I'm not sure what stimulated these guys to maybe they looked around the room one day and went, wow, <laughs> we all look the same in this room. Maybe we should do something about that. So it was a little bit more of a problem to be solved. And how do we message that? Is that, am I catching that correctly? Yeah, it was a problem to solve and an, and an idea that they had around how do we tell these stories and how do we build this directory of, of these people that are actually doing the work. And, and, and so our job was how do we take that and, and help bring it to life by creating a, a brand for it and a visual identity and creating a website and, and aggregating these stories of, of the people in the field uh, that are doing the work and how do we put all those pieces together, which is super exciting for us. You know, it, we like to say that, you know, anyone can build a website these days. There's some amazing tools out there that, you know, when you drag a drop and you can get a website done in a weekend. And that's really not what we do. We are, we think of ourselves as, as strategists and problem solvers. You know, we want to be able to help you take that, you know, that crazy idea you had and figure out how we can use modern digital tools and technology to, to bring it to life, to, to hopefully move the needle on a problem. So in that particular project, I mean, what, what did you see being the biggest challenge? It, we're sort of creating something out of nothing. We're starting from square one, whereas a lot of the work that we do is, is an existing organization that maybe has been around for 10 years and we want to like redesign it, you know, make it look cooler, make it look nicer build a new website, you know, that maybe realigns with some of the organizational changes that have happened over the years. So you have a base to work from. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, whereas this, we, you know, we kind of just had an idea. It was exciting and really fun, but that, that's, you know, that's a challenge. Like we are starting from square one. There's no name for this organization. We got to come up with that. You know, there's no real framework, you know, so we have to, you know, we have to just talk to a bunch of people and figure out what all their perspectives are and how we can sort of mesh all those together to ultimately create something uh, out of nothing. So out of those conversations, you start to find a, maybe a theme that occurs and then some, some areas where passion seems to be, where people start to light up when they talk about certain things and you kind of go, oh, wait a minute, let's, let's explore that a bit more. Is that part of how, how that flows out or? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, most of our work starts with a, a discovery phase, which is common in our industry where it's, you know, it's, it's not rocket science. We just, we have to talk to a bunch of people and figure out, you know, what each individual person's goals are for the project, what their, what their big ideas are, you know, what they see as potential pitfalls or challenges and then put all this together. And yeah, when you, when you interview 20 different stakeholders, you do start to see patterns emerge and we're like, okay, this, you know, 18 out of the 20 people all said the same thing. So this is really important and we need to represent it in some way. Maybe these two people are here said something different, which is really interesting. And so maybe we want to bring that back and figure out, you know, can we weave it in with the overall narrative? And so it's just, it's a lot of problem solving. It's a lot of just listening, trying to put the pieces together in a way that ultimately serves whatever the, the project goal is. My background is in the world of projects. That's kind of my big forte was doing big strategic projects. And so I would get invited in to help turn around a project that was struggling for a reason. And it was usually the most important strategic project in the business. Otherwise they wouldn't spend money on a guy like me. Right. Sure. And there's like, you know, there's the reason for the project and then there's the reason for the project. Um, so what, when I walk through the door and they say, here's the project that never was the project I would go sell to try and get it done. I, there was always a bigger, better story. So do you find that to be sort of a common thing? You get invited in, we're trying to do this, but then as you start to listen and unpack things, is there kind of a revelation uh, that occurs that's like, oh, wait a minute, there's a bigger, bigger theme behind this, which becomes sort of the mantra that you guys uh, march to or? Yeah, absolutely. Almost on every project, you know, people will come to us, say like, we need a new website. Great. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But, you know, the, our first question is always, what is the actual problem you're trying to solve? We can absolutely build you a website and it'll look great and, it'll, you know, it'll be easy to update and all sorts of things. But, you know, what, what do you think that's going to do for your organization? And so we often find is, oh, when we started this organization 20 years ago, we had one set of values and one set of sort of program areas and goals. But now we've had an organizational shift and now we're a different type of organization that's focused on different things. So we need to tell a better story or we're a nonprofit and we need to appeal to a younger audience to increase donations or something like that. Like, OK, great. Like we can work with that. because, you know, there's a joke in our industry, which is like, you know, everyone's like, we need a new logo. And it's like okay, but what do you think that's going to do? Because if you think that's going to double the amount of donations you're getting, like, I'm not going to sell you a logo. That's not going to solve your problem. A new logo will look cool. And if you want a new logo, great. But just so we're clear, this is the problem you're trying to solve on increasing donations. We can absolutely have that conversation and talk about a strategy and, and maybe a new logo factors into that. But the, the underlying problem we're trying to solve is always the, the key to the project. That's the project behind the project. I think right. you're, you're thinking, you know, if, yeah. Yeah, there's always a bigger story. I mean, it's sort of the idea of unconscious capitalism, the idea of the uh, the higher purpose that, you know, business does this, but there's a bigger reason to exist, which was some of the things that we were talking about earlier. When it comes to, you know, your clients, like, I mean, who are you 
typically, when you think about it, and you're trying to figure out the story. I mean, who are you usually trying to extract that from? Do you go out to like all kind of stakeholders, from the donors to customers to employees? I mean, how, how do you, how do you build that story? Where do you, where do you get your data for that? Uh, from as many sources as possible, really. I mean, obviously the stakeholders within the organization, the the executive director, the CEO, sort of the people at the top. What what do they think? But then the people that are, you know, in the marketing department or the sales department or the donor relationship management department, depending on the client, whatever, like, what do they think? And then, and then who's the audience for, for the work? You know, is it, is it donors? Is that really who you're trying to, to attract? Is it the media? Are you trying to get stories picked up about the work that you're doing? You know, is it, is it consumers? Are you selling a product that, you know, has a, as a B Corp organization that, you know, you, you, you sell a thing, but then you funnel the money back to a good cause, whatever. So knowing who you're trying to reach. And so, and then trying to marry all those perspectives together because, you know, you, you have to keep everyone happy. Ultimately the, the website is for whatever your intended audience is, whether it's a consumer or a donor or, you know, the media, but you also have to keep the executive director happy, you know, and we, we sometimes they're have right to have, the, they're writing the check. At the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and sometimes that leads to awkward conversations where we have to say, you know, we, we, we hear you, but this ultimately isn't for you. It's for this specific audience. So we designed it and we built it for them because we're trying to get them to take an action, to read your research paper or to make a donation or to share a store on social media. So that's what we're, what we're doing here. And it's, you know, it, you do have to keep everybody happy, but it's, you know, we're, we're not afraid to have those tough conversations when they're necessary. Well, I think you have to. Yeah. Otherwise you're not get the end product you're looking for. One of the things I wanted to explore too, was like we're sitting here kind of talking about like actually engaging with the client and doing the work that you do. You know, every company has got their little values on the wall or whatever. Um, in my world, to me, values are sort of like guideposts on the, along the road that says, you know, for operating inside those guideposts, we should be doing work the way we want to do it, showing up the way we want to be, and it should get us to where we want to get to faster. That That's kind of my view of values. So uh, you guys had four values posted, and I'd be kind of curious maybe just to take a moment to walk through those. So, and, and maybe even connected back to the project you're talking about, like how did these show up in real time activating these values to make sure that you guys are working the way you want to work. I had uh, craft with purpose, learning by doing, be one team and love what you do. Maybe, maybe just give us a little thought on how, how do you activate the values with a client like you just described? Sure. So those values really do influence everything that we do as a business. Craft with purpose is sort of the main one because everything that we do is, is intentional. Like I said, we want to be working with organizations that are solving real world problems. We don't want to just build a, a pretty thing, you know, a, a billboard in the desert. We want to be you know, doing work that we think has value and, and helping organizations actually move the needle. So everything that we've done is with that in mind. So it starts with picking the right clients. Absolutely. You know, so all the clients we work with, as I some, mentioned, some things motivating you guys mm -hmm. go, okay, these guys are trying to do something and we can help. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So picking the right clients, making sure that we understand that their goals and what their goals and priorities are and, and, and working exclusively towards those. Uh, B1 team is because we are a small organization. So we have, you know, there's, there's no room for sort of organizational infighting like you see in, in, in bigger organizations. We all sink or we all swim. To that end, you know, we have profit pooling at the end of the year. So if Visceral does really well, like we take those profits and we divide them amongst the team, you know, so it's, it incentivizes everyone to really be on the, the same team working towards those goals, but also with the client too, bringing them in. Like they are, for the duration of the project, part of our team and we are part of their All cards on the table, we are here to get this job done and to solve this problem. So creating that really just close collaborative relationship. And at this point, you know, we have clients that we've been working with for years that we, you know, we consider friends. They're wonderful people that are doing good work. And so it, it just, 
it makes for a better relationship, which makes for a better end product. So avoiding the uh, client provider relationship, that's not who we are. We are actually one group, one team trying to deliver on a, on a result. Absolutely. And like we, we tell clients that during you know, new business pitches and stuff like that, we're not, not here to be your vendor. If you just want to hire someone to code something, there are a lot of people out there that can do it. They'll probably do it cheaper than we will. Like we're here to be your partner to help you solve this problem and to work together to figure this out. Do you guys even establish things up front to actually say, here's, and here's how we want to communicate some, you know, kind of setting up the rules of engagement around that so that people get that it's time to say something, we want you to say something or. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're pretty flexible in our process, but we want to make sure that from the relations standpoint that our clients know that like, yeah, we're going to have tough conversations because we want to get into, we want to, you know, solve this problem and solving that problem might be difficult. So if you've got something to say, that's fine. We've got thick skin, you know, we can take it. Let's just, you know, sometimes if we, if we miss the mark on a design or something like that, which is you know, rare, but it happens, you know, we, we want you to give us good feedback and tell us not, I didn't like it, but like, what specifically do you not like about it? Or how do you specifically think it doesn't address the goals that we outlined at the beginning of the project? So we can, you know, incorporate that feedback and make the next version better. You know, we can't create good work if we're not willing to just all, you know, sort of get in the mud and, and have those, those conversations. A friend of mine, Mark Nielsen, uh, great guy. He uh, shared some information with a little group that we all belong to. And it was like, how can you be my best client? So a complete reversal mindset. That's like, if, if you're my best client, I'm going to give you my best effort. Right. Yeah. And what does that look like? And actually had a list of questions you put out there to say, here's what my best client will look like. So let, what, let's create that relationship from both sides. I thought it was kind of a cool idea. Yeah, absolutely. What else we got? Learn yeah, by learn, doing. Learn by doing, yeah. Learn by doing. We work on the internet. Yeah, everything that I learned in college was obsolete like two years after college. You know, it, everything changes so rapidly. And so we are not the firm that will tell you like, oh, we have all the answers. You know, we were the firm that will tell you like, we'll figure it out. We've been doing this a very long time and, and we love the work, which is the, the next point. You know, but we, we're going to get in there and get our hands dirty. And like, we're constantly learning new things. We're constantly going to conferences or speaking at conferences or listening and talking on podcasts because we, you know, we have to be lifelong learners in this industry because it's every day there's something new. Mm -hmm, and like so that. if we, if you don't keep up on that, you know, you just, you stagnate. There's a person in our industry, has, um, I think it's Jeffrey Zeldman had a quote that says, once you stop learning, you stop caring. And once you stop caring, your career is over. And I was like, I, I love that because that's absolutely what we do. We always have to be learning new stuff. Uh, and to the last point, love yeah. what you do. It's just easier to do good work if you like it, right? You know, it's like, there are things like my, my wife is an amazing cook because she, she likes cooking. I'm not a good cook. I just don't like doing it's a it. reflective in results. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Peanut butter and jelly. Here you go. You know, my wife is an amazing writer. Just published her first novel, Final Belongings on Amazon. You know, I'm not a good writer. I enjoy it, but like not to the same extent. So we try to hire people that are, that are passionate about design or strategy or you know, or development, writing code and things like that, because they're just going to be better at their job and they're going to be more incentivized to learn and to grow in their careers, you know, and we try to prioritize and incentivize, you know, um, professional development for our team as well. But like, that's just when you have a team of people that are actively enjoying the work that they do on behalf of clients that they like, that are trying to do something positive, it just makes everything easier. Right, right. And sometimes you got to help people figure out what it is they, they really like to do because so much of the way we are kind of brought up and the machine we kind of go through through school, sometimes we just sort of end up in something that we're okay at. 
and we go, okay, there you go, <laughs> you know, and it's all right. But you could have been amazing if you were just a couple notches over. So sometimes I think that's part of the role and part of leadership to say, hey, how, how can we help you really figure out you at your best? And then let's see if we can put you that spot in our company so we can get the benefits of that, that win-win scenario. Love it. So what are you hoping and dreaming about? Where we, where, where's, give me the optimistic view of the world, Jay. The optimistic view of the world. Oh, man, that's, that's a tall order this day and age. <laughs> um, you know, for all the doom and gloom of the news cycle, I do think there are a lot of inspiring stories out there, people that are, that are doing good work. You know, we talked a little bit about the B Corp movement. Uh, I'm also part of a local group called Business for Good San Diego, which is trying to push, you know, progressive policy here in our city. The thing that gives me optimism is seeing and, and speaking with a bunch of people, yourself included, that are actively invested in seeing positive social change. You know, that type of story doesn't always make the mainstream nightly news, but those stories are out there and there are many of them. And that gives me a lot of hope for how we can make improvements in, in our city, in society at large, in the business community. And the, and the other thing I'll say to that is, you know, to the extent that I've had the good fortune to talk to to younger people at, at, at USD when I've spoken there and things like that, the, the younger people get it. They are excited about the idea of conscious capitalism. You know, they are recognizing the fact that the you know these these large mega companies that are destroying the planet and exploiting their workforce like that's that's sort of the old guard, and they're not they're not here for it. You know, so they're really looking for organizations. You know, will provide them a good working environment, a flexible working environment and pay them well. And that has some sort of purpose, some sort of value. So where they can feel good about things, they can solve a problem. And I think that, that gives me a lot of hope and optimism for the world that there's so many people that are, I think, ready and primed for that. Doing this podcast opened my eyes to a lot. I was involved with conscious capitalism. You see X amount of companies. And then I started doing this and I also got connected with the BBB and then with Be Local and Naturally San Diego. So it isn't just like some one-off companies. I mean, there's organizations that represent 1,500 companies that have this mindset, but you don't hear about it. Right. They might not even know about each other at some level, which we're trying to solve here with the podcast. But there is a lot of really good things going on that just that doesn't make the news because that's not scary or whatever. So Right. If it bleeds, it leads. Where, right. you know, these stories about really amazing people like in our city that are doing really great work, you know, there's there's a ton of those out there. Yes. Uh, and it, and I think collectively we, we can make a difference. So I'm a cautious optimist. I hear you. That's perfect. We're kind of coming to the end of our show here, Jay. What's the big thought? What's the big idea? How would you like to leave the audience? So I did a, a talk a couple of years ago and someone came up after me, you know, and, and, and thanked me for the talk. And they said something which stuck with me and they were like, wow, that was really great. Like, I, I could never do that. My response to them and my you know, sort of big parting thought here to the audience is, yeah, you can. I quite literally Googled how to start a company. It doesn't mean it's easy, but I think a lot of us have this, myself included, have this imposter syndrome where like we never feel good enough and, and things like that. But I guarantee you, whatever it is that you're scared of doing that you think you don't do well enough, someone is already out there doing it probably poorly, very confidently and charging money for it. So it does take effort and ambition and things like that. But, you know, we have more access to resources than at any other time in human history. You know, we, we have YouTube and podcasts and books and, you know, you can get so much information and, you know, the people that you've had on this podcast, I know you've had Scott from Believer and, and Kristen, Carol, like, you know, those kind of people, the, the be local community, the business for good community. We're also like what, like I said before, whatever knowledge that I have, you know, it, such as it is like, you're welcome to it. And, I think that's a sort of a broad statement. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll throw everyone in the be local community in there. Like 
I've always spoken to the people in the community. They've been so giving with their with their advice and their their expertise and whatnot. If if you got a question, ask. Like it, this, you know, if you have an entrepreneurial idea, it is definitely possible. And also, if and if you don't, there are other companies out there that are doing good stuff. Go work for one of them. You know, so be be good at what you do, but go out there and do something good. Yeah, and ask for help. I mean, to your point. Uh, Back a little while ago, I was having some marketing issue and I actually reached out to 10 people on the podcast Mm -hmm. and I said, Hey, can I sit down with you for a few minutes? I'm going to run something by you. 10 for 10, very busy, very successful people, more than happy to sit down and give me, give a few minutes and give me their thoughts. And by the time I got the number 10, yep, I think I got it. (laughs) So yeah, take, take advantage. It's all out there. People are willing, especially, especially people like that come out of this podcast. I mean, these are the kinds of people that lead people first and they're definitely Absolutely. ready to help out. Yeah. Most of us have gotten a lot of help in, in our careers and our journeys. So if we, we can, all do, if right? we can pay that forward in any way, like we are all happy to do it. Well, Jay, I want to thank you for taking the time to come to the show today and sharing your amazing experience, insights, and wisdom. And I also want to thank you for the amazing work that you're doing in your organization, making some big changes out there, supporting those uh, people that are changing the world. You're, you're the guy behind the guy. I love that. Well, that's our show for today. And if you enjoyed it, please subscribe and comment. And most importantly, share the podcast with a friend. Again, special thanks to our collaborative community of San Diego business organizations, the Better Business Bureau, Conscious Capitalism, and Be Local, who are all using the influence of business to positively impact our very own community of San Diego. I'm Jeff Lenton from Jailbreak Leadership saying, until next time, go do what you do. Go do what you do best, for we are all counting on